Are you wandering in the wilderness? Or are you a voice in the wilderness? Welcome to the Revival Cry podcast. This is your host, Eric Miller. Isaiah 40 verse 3 says, Prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. The goal of this podcast is to encourage you to use the voice God has given you to make Jesus famous. Every week, we will share principles from the Word of God, interviews, and encouragement in order to strengthen your voice. Thank you for joining me today. And now here is today's podcast. Well, praise the Lord and welcome everyone to Revival Cry. This is Eric Miller. And as you can see, I'm coming to you from our new studio. And we're so excited because this has been something we've been working on the last couple months. We still have some more to do, but if you're watching from YouTube right now, you can actually view this. And those of you who are listening on Mango Radio or on the podcasts on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts, you can watch Revival Cry on our YouTube channel called Revival Cry. So please make sure you check it out, subscribe, and let us know how these messages, the interviews are blessing you. I know my wife and I, Casey, just did an interview for our 26th anniversary, and we've had so many, so much positive feedback, and it's been really encouraging to know that this is blessing you guys out there, our listeners. So thank you so much. I also want to remind you, make sure you check out our website at www.revivalcry.org. We are so grateful for all of our ministry partners and our friends that pray for us and support what we do in the Philippines and around the world. I'm asking for your prayer requests as well because at the end of March, my family and I are going to be going to Japan. We'll be in uh, Miyazaki, Japan, where our daughter, Sierra, who I'm going to have on soon uh, one of our episodes interviewing her as God's called her to be a missionary in Japan. She's desired to do that since she's 14 years old. And so we'll be going there to help her settle in and minister in local churches and gatherings while we're there in Miyazaki and Okinawa. So please keep us in prayer. If you'd like to support our trip, you can always go to our website, click the giving link, and please specify Eric Miller Travel. So thank you so much. Well, Father, we love you. We thank you for your word today. And I thank you that in the blood of Jesus, we have so much power and authority. And one of the things that you have done for us, Lord, is you've turned curses that were on our lives into blessings. And as we get into your word today, may it be real for each and every single one of us. And may our lives be transformed in Jesus' name. Amen. As you heard me pray, my message today is Jesus turns curses into blessings. You know, after somebody encounters God, after they're born again, we are no longer under the curse of sin anymore. In fact, we will live forever with Jesus. But it's an inter internal work that needs to take place that sometimes we don't see all the benefits of because we have to mature in our relationship with Christ. But 
be sure there's no doubt that when somebody surrenders their life to Jesus, they immediately become right with God. That means Jesus washes our sin as far as the east is from the west. The Bible says he remembers it no more. Imagine all the sin that you and I have done up into whatever age that you are. I'm 49 years old, and if I got saved being 49, almost 50 years of sin, of lying, of cheating, of stealing, of hatred, of lust, of perversion, pride, you know, all these things that all of us struggle with. And the fact that the blood of Jesus can wash us immediately and make us holy is so incredible. But yet, what do we do after we're born again and we know we're right with God now and then we deal with temptation and now we will sin again? I'm sure many of you listening to me that are believers, you know that after you get saved, you're actually going to sin again. There'll be things that you will do and you'll feel grieved by it. And that's called the conviction of the Holy Spirit. He wants us to get right with him immediately. But we're not slaves to sin like we once were. You know, Paul talks about in the book of Romans that when the blood of Jesus is applied to our hearts, that he sets us free from the enslavement of sin. We're, we're no longer in bondage. And so now we have the ability to think differently, to live differently, to walk and talk and live our lives wholly devoted unto the Lord. And this is all because that Jesus did this on the cross for you and me. The judgment that we should receive for our sin Jesus took upon himself. He took our sin. He took the wrath of God upon himself. And that's why when he cried out on the cross, he said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they're doing. And then he breathed his last and he died. And as soon as he died, the Bible says the veil in the temple was torn in two. Remember, the only way to get to God before Jesus died on the cross and rose again for us was through temple sacrifices. So without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sin. So that's why God instructed Moses and Israel to have the sacrifice of animals and their shed blood was thrown upon the altar. Such a, such a gruesome thought. But the reality is, is that sin causes, you know, such horrible destruction. And that's why the Son of God, Jesus Christ, God himself came and gave his life on a cross for you and me. And his drop of blood, one drop of his blood, tore the veil between God the Father and mankind for eternity. It doesn't mean that everybody's born again now, but those who repent and put their faith in Jesus. You know, I don't know about you, but when I was born again, there was such a radical change in my life. I felt like chains fell off of me and like hooks in my flesh came out. And 2 Corinthians 5, 17 says, If any man, any woman be in Christ, they're a new creation. Old things pass away and behold, all things become new. And yet in the newness of life, when I was tempted and I sinned, 
And what is sin? Well, sin is breaking the commandment of God, breaking the law of God. Adam and Eve did it in the garden, and then that's why God gave us the commandments, right? To Moses, the Ten Commandments, is to show us what sin is. Sin is going against the commandment of God. Another simple definition is sin is anything that Jesus would not do. Because Jesus never sinned. Jesus never broke a commandment. He was always righteous and holy, never disobeyed his parents. He never allowed lustful thoughts to establish, you know, an anchor in his mind and cause him to go down a road of sin and, and, and bondage and slavery. But my friend, when we're born again and we're set free, we inherit the righteousness of Christ. And as new believers, we have to learn how to apply the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus to our minds. Romans 12 says this, our minds need to be renewed. Our words, what comes out of our mouths, right? Uh, it should change. You know, somebody said once that you put garbage in and you get garbage out, right? If we put things before our eyes and our ears and, and our feelings that allow us to be captivated by sinful attitudes and, and ideas, then that's what's going to come out of our lives as far as evidence of what we really believe in. Anybody can say that they're a Christian, but Jesus said, you'll know who are mine by the fruit they produce. So fruit is the evidence of a transferred life, of a life that's gone from darkness into light. So what are we talking about today? We're talking about that Jesus takes us out of curses, he breaks curses, and brings us into a place of blessing. Now I believe this immediately happens when we get saved, but yet the practical application of it requires us to walk day in and day out with the Lord. We have to learn how to discipline ourselves. We have to learn how to put the Word of God in our hearts and our minds, right? Faith comes by hearing, hearing the Word of God over and over and over. That's why, you know, the psalmist says, you know, we, I want to seek you. I want to, uh, I'm hungry for you. You know, even uh, Matthew 6, seek first, right? The kingdom of heaven, righteousness. Then all these things will be added to you. What things are you talking about? I believe it's talking about the blessing of the Lord, the provision, the breakthroughs that we want to see are largely dependent upon what we believe we've already received in Christ Jesus. It's necessary for us to apply what Jesus already did. You see, Jesus isn't going to have to do. God the Father, the Holy Spirit, there's nothing else that they can do. They've already done what was completely necessary. Now, it's dependent upon you and I to surrender our will to the Father. So if you're having a hard time honoring your wife or honoring your husband, or not talking down at your children, or, or you know, negative words and thoughts come out of your mouth towards other people, and you, you go, oh, I feel so unclean when I say, when I do these things, or maybe look at something online you shouldn't look at, and you feel dirty. Friend, that's because the great I am lives in you now, and he doesn't want any roommates. <laughs> He doesn't want anybody else. There's no other Lord. When, when we surrender to Jesus as Savior, we also surrender to Him as Lord. 
That means we have to let this purification process take place. You know, and so curses, you know, are, are things that happen to us, not because God wants us to be cursed, but because we separate ourselves from him. And we open a door to the enemy, to works of darkness, demonic influence, to this world, to sinful nature that is enticing and tries to draw us away from the love of the Father and put us in a place of bondage. We condemn ourselves. We feel shame. We feel fear. We feel tormented. But that's why in 1 John 4, it says that perfect love casts out fear. What is that perfect love? It's There's no greater love than what Jesus did for you and me by giving his life on the cross. So he's already done what was needed to be done. And you and I have to appropriate. We have to apply. We have to willingly say that I'm not I'm going to choose not to sin anymore. Why? Because now I have power. I have power over sin. You see if I keep sinning even after being a believer I'm in danger of going back to bondage and living under curses. And I want to encourage you, there's nothing back there for you and me. That's why Paul said to us in the book of Philippians, forget the things which are behind, right? Take a hold of that, which is taking a hold of you and me. That if we are crucified with Christ and we're one spirit with him, then we don't want to try and pull ourselves off of the cross. We want to stay there until we're dead, <laughs> until we're dead so that we could be truly alive. That's what Jesus said. If you want to live, you're going to die. <laughs> and it's not just dying physically. It's, it's dying spiritually. It's dying to pride. It's dying to our selfish, arrogant lifestyles. You know, in Nehemiah chapter 13, verse 2, in the second part of that verse, it says this. Our God turned the curse into a blessing. See, Nehemiah was rebuilding the wall in Jerusalem. It was destroyed, and yet he comes back. He has this burden that God gives him. He has favor. He has blessing from even people who were not Jewish, not called, chosen by God. But yet he had this grace on his life, and people wanted the support because they saw there was something about Nehemiah that was different. He had an anointing on his life. When you're born again, friend, you have an anointing on your life. And you don't want to trade that anointing for curses. You want to live under the blessing of the Lord. And Nehemiah had blessing. This king came alongside him and said, I want to support what you're doing and I want to help you. So while he's living under the blessing of the Lord, and the people he are working with, some are understanding what it's like to live under a curse still, and some are caught up in the blessing. You see, our churches are full of people like that. Some people who are living devoted to God, and others who are not. And yet, it's a choice that you and I make. Your pastor can't make that choice for you. Your missionary friend cannot make that for you. Your strong believer, whoever you know that is close within your zip code, is saying, you've got to go after God for yourself. 
You, you can't rely on somebody else's salvation in order to be born again. And in the same way, you and I have to learn how to drink our own water. We have to learn how to eat our own food. We have to learn how to exercise our own body. We can't, you know, inherit the work of what somebody else does. We can't say, hey, can you go eat for me? We can't say, hey, can you go get a glass of water for me, you know, and drink it for me? It's, that's crazy. But in the same way, you and I, in order to understand what God has provided for us, we can look at the lives of other people and learn from them, but ultimately we have to surrender our will. There was a guy named, uh, a priest called Elishib, Elishib, and he was working with Nehemiah. And what he did not know, what Nehemiah did not know, is that Elishib had an open door. He had open relationship with a guy named Tobiah. Tobiah represents the enemy. He was an enemy of what Nehemiah was trying to do and rebuild the wall of Jerusalem. He thought Nehemiah had all these other ulterior motives. But Nehemiah's heart was genuine. He, he was like David, created me a pure heart, O oh God, renew a steadfast spirit within me. Use me, God. Here I am, like Isaiah said. Send me. That was Nehemiah's heart. But then Elisha had opened, this priest had opened a door to the enemy. And so much so that in Nehemiah 13, verses 7 through 9, it says, And I came, this is Nehemiah speaking, to Jerusalem and discovered that the evil that Elisha had done for Tobiah. In preparing a room for him in the courts of the house of God, in the temple of God. And it grieved me bitterly. Therefore I threw all the household goods of Tobiah out of the room. Then I commanded them to cleanse the rooms. And I brought back into the article, I brought them back them the articles of the house of God back with the grain offering and frankincense. So here's Nehemiah. His heart, he's going after God, and he thinks other people he's working with, their hearts are all going after God, and yet he finds out that a door has been opened to the enemy. And it so grieves him because it should. That's exactly what sin should do to you and me. It should grieve us. It should make us feel the heart of God, you know, like, why would you do that? Why would you open the door to sin again? Why would you go commit adultery? Why would you lie? Why would you, you know, not follow through with uh, decisions in life the way that Jesus would? And so he's asking Elisha, why would you do that? And then Tobiah was in the house of God and he said, get this man out of the house, get his household gods and goods and out of the room and, and cleanse these rooms because this man does not have in mind the things of God. He just has in mind his own agenda, his own purpose, his own desire and will. And then he, and then Nehemiah, even after they cleanse the room, after they kick Tobiah out, they made sacrifices to the Lord to say, God, forgive us. We want to make sure everything is right. We don't want to build this wall without making sure that you're honored and glorified because we can build all this stuff, but without you, it's meaningless. 
Friend, it's the same thing for you and I. We've got to kick the enemy out of our life. We've got to break up with the devil. We can't be a friend of God and a friend of the enemy at the same time. We can't hold both those hands at the same time. We've got to be on one side of the road with God and leave those things which are behind. We've got to shut the door to the enemy. Maybe you're born again and you have an old relationship, some old boyfriend or girlfriend or sideline, you know, here in the Philippines we call it, that you need to close that door, friend. You need to shut the door. You need to lock it and you need to give the key to Jesus and say, I never want to go through that door again. When the Lord set me free from an addiction to pornography over 20, you know, plus years ago, I say, God, I don't want this stuff again. And I get tempted. I've been tempted this week. But I'll tell you something. I'm not a slave to sin anymore. And I don't want to open a door. When I go to sleep at night, just like you, you lock the door to your house. You lock the door to the windows. Why? Because you, you don't want anybody, a thief coming in and harming your family or taking any of your things. It's in the same way with our spiritual life with God. We've got to shut the door to the enemy. We've got to lock it and not allow him access anymore. And even if he keeps knocking on the door and ringing the doorbell, we ignore him because we know that Jesus empowers us to live holy, to live pure, to live devoted to the Lord despite the challenges, the temptations, hardships we face. You know, here in Davao City, Philippines, where we've been missionaries for 20 years, I have, I, I remember a time of being invited by a friend who I play basketball with all the time. He's a businessman. And he said, hey, bro, I want you to come to my uh, business. He had something like 50 plus employees. He worked for a major company here in the Philippines. And he said, some of my people don't want to come to work because they're saying they're seeing ghosts or feeling demonic stuff happening. And this guy wasn't really going to church and surrendered his life to Jesus. But he's a good friend and I share with him and I love this brother. And and yet, I, he said, what do I do? He said, I was going to call up a priest. And, you know, I don't know if they throw holy water around or what they do. I think he's just seen too many movies. But I said, he asked me, he said, what should you, should I do? Do you know what to do? And I said, sure. I said, I'd love to help out. I said, Jesus has given us authority over every demonic power. And again, some of his people didn't even want to come to work. They were so afraid. So I said, I'll come down there this week and let's gather some of your folks together. So I think we gathered maybe 15 plus people. And so I asked everybody, I said, hey, I want to ask a question. Who's the one that opened the door? And so nobody knew what I was talking about. And I said, well, here, this is what I'm going to explain to you guys today. I think actually, if a lot of you don't know Jesus, that you've probably opened up a door to the enemy and you've invited him here. So now they're looking at me like, what, 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 what do you mean? Because see, demons only come when they're invited. They're, if, if as a believer, we have the blood of Jesus applied to our lives, we have authority. And they don't want to be around people who have authority because 
they get kicked out. But yet, people who leave the door open and don't know who they are in Christ, maybe they pray a prayer, but you still sense demonic activity in your life. And you're thinking, why Why do I still struggle with all these thoughts? Why, why does anger suddenly flare up? Well, friend, that's why we got to renew our mind. We want to close every door to the enemy as so to allow the strength of Jesus Christ that's burning in our hearts when we're saved to come out and deal with the enemy for us. So I'm asking these employees who open a door and I began to explain what that meant. That by living in sin, we open a door. We invite works of darkness in. And I would have no doubt that many of you have done that. You live in fear. You live in shame. And I shared about my testimony and different things. How Jesus set me free. And I said, who wants to get right with God today? And all kinds of hands went up. And I prayed. And we people asked for forgiveness. And people got saved. And then I said, okay. I'm going to come back next week and then we'll assess what we see and what we feel around here. So I come back and nobody felt any demonic power was around anymore. And I thought, oh, it's so powerful. See, that's the blood of Jesus. And do you know, friend, I did a Bible study there for the next two years. Next two years, discipled many of them, some of them still walking with the Lord and faithful to God. I want to encourage you. You have to break off all agreements with the enemy. Some people think after they get born again and they struggle with sin, oh, do I need to go through deliverance sessions? You know, I need a pastor to pray for me. I need somebody stronger in the faith than I am. Well, I don't doubt that God uses that, but I really believe that there's power in repentance. And when we take ownership for our sin and we repent before a holy God, he comes and forgives us and immediately empowers us with the authority we need to rebuke the enemy and tell him to get, of our, get out of our lives. Some of you need to take authority. Some of you need to stand up with faith and say, by the blood of Jesus, I command the enemy to get out of my family, get out of my business, get out of my marriage. Get out of, you know, whatever situation it is that is plaguing you. Because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. You are a son and a daughter of God. You're not a slave anymore, friend. And if you are a slave, today is the day of salvation. Today is a day where you can get right with God. Maybe you're a backslider, a prodigal son and daughter, and you're listening to me. I want you to know that you need to come back home. Your father is waiting for you. He's looking for you. There's nothing else out there for you and me. We need to come inside the house with the family and shut the door. You remember Israel and the book of Exodus, right? They applied the blood of the lamb that was on the doorposts and the and the uh, death angel came through Egypt that night and took out all the firstborn who weren't consecrated to God. Friend, it's the same thing. The doorposts of your heart and my heart. The enemy will look at it. If he sees the blood of Jesus there, you know what? He's going to say, I don't want nothing to do with that guy. I want nothing to do with that young lady. That person is a danger to my kingdom. And so Christians may feel measures of attack, persecution, 
that's normal for the Christian. If you uh, call yourself a disciple of Jesus, then I promise you, Jesus himself said you will have trouble. But take heart. I've overcome. We've got to remind ourselves what we already have. And we have to learn how to appropriate it. We have to learn how to apply it. We have to trust that God is a God who answers by fire. And he never will leave us or forsake us. Amen. Listen, Jesus has set you free so you could be free, living free from sin's control. Kick the enemy out. You have authority. The blood of Jesus cleanses you. His blood is enough, my friend. There's no amount of good works, good deeds, money, time, energy, effort that you can give God to get him to like you. He's satisfied by what Jesus has done for you and me. That means we put our faith in Jesus. Jesus fills us with his Holy Spirit. And we now have the grace that we need to live devoted lives as unto the Lord. It's possible to live holy, my friend. It's possible to live a righteous life. It's possible to fight. That's Paul said, I fought the good fight. You and I are in a fight. We're in a battle. We're in a war. And we can't allow this world to be a dictator to us. we got to shut the door to the enemy. Amen? So listen, you are blessed. You are highly favored. You are called and chosen by God. In fact, I'm going to pray over you right now. Father, in the name of Jesus, no matter where people are listening to me in the sound of my voice, on Mango Radio, through podcasts, our YouTube channel, or some other means, God, I pray for curses to be broken in Jesus' name, for blessings to be installed, reinstalled if necessary, over their lives, that they would sense the presence and the glory of the Lord, strengthening and empowering them to live a devoted life to you so that we can glorify and make Jesus famous. We love you. We honor you. Amen. Listen, friend, thank you so much for being with us today. I want to ask you to please pray for us. Pray for our upcoming trip to Japan as we go do missions work there and help our daughter get established as a missionary there. And if you'd like to help support what we do in any way in a financial means, uh, you can go to our website, revivalcry.org slash giving. Lord, We thank you for our friends, and we bless each and every one of you today. God bless you. Thank you for listening to Revival Cry with Eric Miller. Please subscribe, rate, and write a review for this podcast on iTunes, cpnshows.com, or wherever you listen to podcasts. To find out more or partner with our missions work around the world, please visit us at revivalcry.org. I look forward to being with you next week.